Hey, everybody, welcome back to Redeemed Church's Midweek Podcast. We're your hosts, Liz and Kurt, and this is our fourth episode. If this is your first time tuning in, make sure and go back and check our other episodes. We've interviewed Meg Ron from our church, Denise Calloway, and three high school seniors getting ready to graduate. But this episode, we are so excited to bring to you. It, it was inspired by Dave's last sermon called, Do You Want to Get Well? And so if you haven't checked out that sermon after this podcast, if you have the time, go ahead and listen to his sermon again. And there's a really important question that he, that he asks, that he has the listeners ask. And that was kind of how we uh, structured this episode. Um, Help. It's an episode to help support listeners who might've asked that tough question about do you want to get well? Is there something in your life that you're struggling with that is a difficulty for you? Um, do you want it to, to go away? Do you want to get well? We are interviewing, we, we said at the beginning of, uh, in our introduction to our first episode, that this is going to be a fun podcast. And although this isn't the most fun topic, we have made sure to bring on the most fun person, Dana Emanuel. She can sing, dance, teach, preach. Uh, but Kurt's actually going to give you the full intro. Yeah, Dana is a well-known member of the Redeemed community, but just in case you don't know her, I thought we'd give a little introduction. So Dana got her bachelor's degree in social work and then a master's degree in social work with a concentration in mental health. So her husband, Jason, and her have been on and off in ministry for over 25 years. Uh, She took a a short break uh, when she went back to school and then entered into the practice and then youth ministry leadership for over 15 years. And Jason was a leader in a parachurch uh, ministry for youth. She does women's ministry, adult discipleship, leadership development, prayer ministry, and she's also worked in private counseling, Christian counseling for a few years. But now she's on staff at Redeem. We are really lucky to have her. Uh, Many of you know her and we're really blessed by all the wisdom and insights she gave us as a Redeem community. So with that, let's bring Dana on. Hey, Dana. Welcome to the Redeem Midweek Podcast. Hi, Dana. Hi. Thanks for having me. Well, we're so blessed to have you, and we just really think this is going to be a great conversation for a lot of people who are listening. And the first question we have is just tell us a little bit about what got you interested in social work and mental health and and counseling. I went back to school, actually, after 15 years of being out. And I had become a Christian. I had been in ministry leadership, volunteer, part-time, full uh, at this time, probably full-time even, at least with my husband. And we just, we were raised in a great church. And I think what I had noticed in my life is after a good decade of kind of spinning my wheels for the Lord and just being so active in ministry, I still had some things in my life that were not resolved. And I noticed after I had my first child um, and by the time for sure I had Olivia, my second daughter, um, I was just as active in ministry and I didn't know how to pull back. And I, I kind of had to realize that my identity was kind of wrapped up in all of these ways I was performing. I had issues with um, just in my heart, this unresolved from my upbringing. And in the church that I was in, we just, you know, it was an amazing place and, and God did such a work in me, but it was kind of, um, I wouldn't say that it gave the fullest picture of, of God's 
you know, version of healing for people. And so it was kind of implied that once you, you know, put your hand to the plow, that verse that once you put your hand to the plow, you never look back or you're not fit for the kingdom. Everything's under the blood of Jesus. Um, and so kind of rules out everything from the past. And, and we don't want to drudge all that up, but there were still things in my life that if I'm really wrestling with Jesus and I, I believe that he's a healer, then why am I not walking in that fullness? Mm. And, um, and we're all on a journey. We're never going to arrive, but there was some significant breakthrough that I needed. And so I ended up having to go outside my church, uh, to find a pastor who was also kind of in the healing ministry. And he just kind of led me to some resources and some seminars and books. And I just, my eyes were really, really opened that, wow, this is the kind of God that it doesn't matter if it's physical, emotional, or whatever. He does care about every aspect of us. Uh, and so, and then I was in ministry and, um, a, a lot of it was just, I think God just radically changed me so much. And my view of him as a healer was just transformed that I wanted to do this for mm -hmm. a living. Mm -hmm. Awesome. You mentioned, um, in one of your, like when you were first describing your, your, your journey, that there was a connection between the spiritual, the mental, um, physical. Can you tell us your thoughts on, on how they, how they go together? Yeah, from my view, and a lot of spiritual reading is, is covers this as well, and I haven't found it really much different other than in language in the psychology world. It's, you know, we're souls, we're triune beings, we're spirit, mm -hmm. soul, and body. And a lot of people have, have heard this, that it's, you know, we're made up, our spirit is where the Lord's spirit joins with our spirit that influences our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have a body where all that plays out. And, um, you know, we have thoughts and we have feelings and we have our will in the middle. And as the Holy Spirit's in us, it's like, that's our influence Godward. When you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence and he influences your desires and your, your demeanor, your disposition changes, whether that's quick and radical or over time and on a journey, um, the Lord is at work in us. Mm -hmm. And, um, and physically, I mean, you can even measure this physically. You can see that, you know, when we have issues in our soul, when there's stress, when there's um, depression, anxiety, that can take its physical toll on us, that can play itself out in various decisions. So sometimes we're self-medicating or sometimes our defense and coping skills and mechanisms are, are, are high. You know, there's positive defenses and coping skills, negative mm -hmm. ones, but they do all, you can't really separate that. And mm -hmm. the Lord is, you know, his, you know, he considers our body, his temple, he's housed here. And, um, and so he's, he's with us, he's within us and he cares about every aspect of our being. And so, yeah, we're integrated beings. And, um, you know, I think that for me, I'm always looking for uh, so many books on my shelf that, you know, psychology and Christianity together. It's like, always, we want to be grounded in scripture, but how we deal with pain and how we, mm -hmm. um, how we navigate the world and how we relate with ourselves and God and others. It's, it's actually like God has a human design and God is a very practical God. And he obviously doesn't despise matter. Otherwise he wouldn't be living in human flesh. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's all very interconnected in, in my view. Is there a, a common, uh, taking all that into consideration, is there a common stumbling block that kind of all of us face because these three are interwoven? spiritual, emotional, physical. Yeah. You know, I could never say just one stumbling yeah. block. I mean, there's so many, uh, 
you know, the first thing that comes to mind is awareness. I think that, yeah, you know, it depends on what you're saying, you know, is it, is this a barrier Mm -hmm. to our healing process? Is this a stumbling block to growth and on our journeys? We are, um, you know, the first step is really knowing that it needs to change. And so depending on how far back you, you go, I mean, there's awareness there. I think it'd be the biggest thing is we don't, I, I believe is a completely lost art. And one thing that really helped me along my journey is going back and learning how to reflect, how to stop and pay attention to what I'm thinking about. Um, and psychology can help that therapy can help that but when you do it with the lord it is so much deeper and it's so much more thorough because the lord does know our hearts he knows what's in us he knows how we're wired he knows things that you know the heart is deceitful above all else who you know and 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 the bible talks about its wickedness it's also a mystery um who can know it but i do say that um awareness is probably going to be a big deal sometimes our loved ones or the people around us are aware of our strongholds and our issues or our wounds more than we are and i think then that kind of leads us into thinking about the fear uh of facing things like that Uh, as humans we're wired to resist and avoid pain at all costs so avoidance is a huge piece of this. Um, it's scary. It's really scary sometimes to every single defense mechanism is designed to help us avoid discomfort. Um, and, and it can be on a spectrum. It can be from just uh, simple discomfort to incredible pain, emotional pain. And sometimes, well, most of the time, healing is really embracing that pain and it's overcoming and walking through it instead of around it. And so I'd say fear is a big one. Yeah, that's really helpful. And one of the things that you mentioned was about other people walking along with you and seeing these strongholds and whether the person listening to this is going through something now or not, eventually all of us will go through hard challenges, whether that's mental health, uh, emotional challenges, uh, some sort of physical healing that maybe we need. And one of the things that's true is that even in those moments, it might feel like you're going through it alone, but you're not really. And so one of the things that I wanted to ask was, how can we best communicate with our loved ones, our friends and family about what we're going through? And how can we make that relationship as whole as it can be uh, along that journey? I mean, it's so important. Any good therapist and any good community uh, or any good individual will will want you to rely on your natural supports, your natural community, whether that's family members, friends, uh, relatives, or church family, pastors, leaders. Um, It depends on the role in the relationship because we're not, and I don't recommend it, that we're completely vulnerable with every single person. There are people, you know, Jesus had the the masses, the multitudes, he had um, the 12, you know, you can scale that down to, to this, then he had the three, and then he had John. And so there is a level of vulnerability that we have to use wisdom in, but we definitely need to have someone in our lives that we can turn to. And I think uh, honesty is, is always important. Again, fear is going to play a role in this because depending on your role with that person or that family or those people, 
um, looking for people that you can trust and, and just simply asking. And you're really going to have to fight the fear of that inner critic that tells you how far you should be by this time or um, how far along in your journey or uh, just the lies that, you know, tell you that it's weak to seek help. It's weak to be um, that kind of, it's scary, but it's, it's necessary. I love that. It, you bringing up sort of the community aspect, getting out of isolation and talking with other people and having those people in your life that you, that you know you can count on. And so uh, whether you know, we are going to someone ourselves or someone is coming to us in response to them, how can we best support the people who might be coming to us with their difficulties that they might be experiencing in their lives? Well, I think first and foremost is empathy. I mean, we really have to think about no matter what it is, I, I know for me, sometimes if I sense that in a person, like either in the counseling setting or discipleship setting, there's trepidation with them opening up and there's, mm. you know, paying attention. I think active listening is huge, you know, really listening to hear rather than than waiting for your chance to respond. Um, and it's different with the relationships. I can tell you that with, you know, my kids uh, over the years, it's different at like toddlerhood than it is at teenage years or now emerging adulthood and my role in their life. But in general, I would say that um, you're really listening to what they're saying. And you, you know, mm -hmm. people will share with you where their heart is at. They'll, they'll put disclaimers on there like, well, I don't want you to think this, or I don't want you to think. And you can tell they're nervous about opening that up. So sometimes I'll just be like, hey, listen, there's nothing you can say that can shock me. And I'm not going to love you any less. I'm not going to mm -hmm. think of you any less. I think reassurance and letting people know that it's safe to be with mm -hmm. you. Obviously, if they're coming to you, they're thinking there's some level of safety in that relationship. Um, but having empathy and compassion, I always try to keep in mind that but for the grace of God, there go I. If I were given the recipe of this person's life, how would I have responded? Am I sure that I wouldn't have um, taken this turn or this turn along that journey mm -hmm. and have these strongholds in my life that I maybe am helping them through or out of? There's real needs versus felt needs. Sometimes people will mm -hmm. come to you and they feel like they need, you know, something in their life to change or they need, um, you know, I don't know. It could be anything. Um, but sometimes just discerning, like, no, they really just need to be accepted. No, they really just need to know they're secure. No, they just really need to know that they're not alone. So like I'm thinking of if I've ever gone to people in my life before, if people have ever come to me and one thing that they are describing that they are in their life that they are struggling with is just outright sin. And you know the answer to that. It's almost like, well, if you stopped sinning, you would probably find, you would refine a lot of reprieve. But that can be a really harsh answer to say, just stop doing that. Because that does sort of like, that's not really empathetic. Is it okay basically to say outright, just like knock it off? <laughs> not yeah. to make light of it, but... Yeah. No, I think that's a really valid question. And I, I would have to say, again, it's, it goes back to the relationship that you have with that person. Mm. I, I wouldn't say you ever compromise the word. Um, if you know, and you discern and you want to, uh, you know, be led by the Lord, I think, can you speak the truth in love mm -hmm. and really relying on God to give you that balance? I don't think there's any formula. Um, and yeah. I know that there are some relationships that I have where it's really plain and simple and that person's personality can take it. For instance, if I were talking to my sister, she likes me to tell it like it is, you know, she likes that direct approach. She's like, don't beat around the bush, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, well, 
honestly, you've been around this bush three times. And <laughs> when are you going to, you know, it's like, you know, this, you know, this Trish, uh, but, and yeah. she'd be happy me saying her name. She doesn't care. She'd probably feel famous or something. <laughs> hey, Trish. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I got to get her to listen to the podcast. Um, so anyway, um, and that, and, and other people more delicate, but there's a way that the Lord can bring that conviction and, I, I wouldn't say I, you know, some of the healing ministries that I've been through, um, they won't actually pray with you for healing. If they, if it's clear that this is a sin issue, well, your, your depression is directly seems to be linked to when you started having this affair or when you started doing this. And it's like, without, you're not helping a person. It's not loving, I guess, if you want them to stay bound in that. The Lord wants us delivered of that. The Lord wants mm -hmm. us free. Mm -hmm. um, so even though there's not a great answer, I, I think that there has to be a way. Yeah, that's good. I guess in, in like my, my, the way that that's worked for me is if someone has said something, it's just like almost like in the moment, a quick little prayer like, Lord, help me respond. Mm -hmm. I know you can give me the discernment, the, the spirit. You can speak through me in this moment. I don't, I don't have to like go away and come back and, and, and find the right thing to say to that person. I really felt, I really have seen in my in conversations, like basically grace come out and almost like ways to use the scripture to, to guide them forward. And that was all Holy Spirit inspired in the moment because mm -hmm. some of it is like, uh, it's tough conversations with people you love. That's such a good point. And I will have to say too, same thing, powerful, powerful, just simple prayers like that. Mm -hmm. Come Holy Spirit, come yeah. Lord Jesus. That is, that is powerful. And I've loved using that even in the Christian mm -hmm. counseling set, setting. It's just, um, the Lord is at work. The Lord is at work, especially with a believer that, you know, he's, he wants them free more than we do and, um, and following his lead. I love that. That's really powerful. One of, the, one of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast was to go along with the sermon that we had a couple of weeks ago, Do You Want to Get Well? And one of the things that came up in my life group as we were talking about this sermon was many of us have walked alongside people who might be really demanding of our time in their pain. Um, someone in our life who doesn't feel like they want to get well, maybe they found comfort in their pain. You know, I think many of us have had that experience. How would you recommend us as believers who are called to minister to people to walk alongside someone who may be finding comfort in their pain and maybe doesn't really want to get well? I always go back to the level of relationship. Obviously, that's first. I think, too, it's there's a controversy over boundary setting. I think that boundaries are a fabulous thing. Um, I think that you give it your all. I mean, you let them know, honestly, like my desire is for you. And are you willing to do this? I mean, after a couple of, of, a couple of maybe seasons or talks or reps of seeing this thing play out, maybe there's a pattern there. Maybe the behaviors aren't changing and they keep coming saying, you know, some of the same things. Um, one of the rules of therapy is you never work harder than the client, you know, you never work harder than the other person. If they want to be made well, then um, that's going to translate at some point into um, action, even if that small action, and this was something that came up in our, um, our small group, our life group was um, really celebrating those small wins. I think when people can feel empowered that it's like, wow, I can do this. 
that that propels them to do more. It propels the action and it gets um, further action. But I, I do I do think there's such a value in boundaries and you see Jesus himself set boundaries. He was um, about his father's will. There were a lot of demands on his time. And um, at the most random times he would, you know, I don't want this to be arbitrary. We do want to contend and, and we want to weep with people that weep and rejoice when they rejoice. And we're walking pastoral care is all about walking that out. A shepherd should smell like sheep, but Jesus at, some of the most random times would just get alone to be with his father or he would switch gears and he's like, you know, we're going to go across the sea or we're going to go here. And there was a lot of people that were demanding his attention. And so there is a use of boundaries. I don't think there's anything, you know, concrete when it comes to boundaries or balance or, or anything. It's, it really is um, just being led. But if you feel like you're working harder than the other person, I think an honest conversation is, hey, listen, I, it seems like there's not a lot of fruit coming out of our time together. Or, you know, tell me um, how I can best help you. Or I think maybe after you do A, B, and C, let's talk again. But we never stop loving. We never stop serving, um, but we do have to know where is God telling me to use my time. Um, sometimes the best thing is just praying for them and mm -hmm. just, you know, like praying for the motivation. One of my favorite prayers, um, especially when it comes to that situation, because in counseling too, you're not always working with people who desire to be well. Sometimes their family brings them in. Sometimes they're, well, especially in community mental health, they're court ordered to be there. They have no desire whatsoever to change. <laughs> and so it's, it's for those people struggling. Um, one of my favorite prayers is just that Lord, you would heal or strengthen their will to choose you. So that was good. Dana, that makes me think about Dave's sermon where he's talked about the man at the well, the invalid there for over three decades, um, waiting for his chance to get into the waters when they're stirred up and hoping for healing. And so in thinking back, like, you know, like what if, you know, those what if stories, if then, if it changes, if Jesus walked up to the man and said, do you want to get well? What if he just said no? And so like, what do you think Jesus's response would be after that? Like, what, what would Jesus do, right? That bracelet, what could we do if there's a person in our life or ourselves that we're saying, nope, we, we don't want to get well right now? Mm -hmm. Again, depends on what it is, but I would say, uh, I would, I, I kind of lean towards, I don't know if you've heard of motivational interviewing. If you yeah. have an ear with that person, you have heard about that? No, I haven't. Tell us. Oh, yeah. Oh, motivational interviewing is fabulous. It's kind okay. of revolutionized the, uh, intervention approach to um, substance use, substance abuse intervention. When you sit down and you do the regular, like you're hurting your family and here's what's going on. It really just elicits that person's natural motivation. And so you really, it's, it's a skill, obviously not everyone's going to use this, but what we are listening for is we're listening for the barriers that might be standing in the way. Again, if you let somebody talk long enough, and if you're really actively listening, they will tell you why they don't think they can be made well, why they don't want to, why they um, haven't before. And it's just really reflecting back. It's kind of like saying, oh, so it sounds like you really don't, for example, sounds like you really just have never been able to accomplish that. And you maybe fear that you're not able to do that. And they'll keep talking. And, 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 and it's, it's really that relationship is always the vehicle of anything. And they'll say that, I believe this 
for discipleship. I believe it's for the counseling work. Um, and, and it's just proven it's evidence, um, based research shows this, that the relationship is truly the greatest vehicle, um, for change and the greatest predictor of, of the change process in, in that setting. So your relationship is your tool. And then there's also, um, the, the motivation, if you can get someone and, and maybe you're not that person to help them with that. Um, but if someone really truly just does not want to change and there's nothing major standing in the way, I think that, you know, sometimes the consequence of their actions and their mm-hmm. lifestyle just have to have to be their teacher at that point. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like active listening will bring up, stir up different questions and they can give you more information and perhaps maybe as they're speaking out that could reveal back to them something that might mm-hmm. hit uh, break a wall. Yeah. Um, de- isn't there a verse about declaring things? Um, uh, well, I guess I'm thinking of James 5, 15, 5, 16, confess your sins to one another, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So I, I guess that makes me think like if you're, if you do have the relationship with somebody, and you just talk it out, talk out what you're going through, the act, the act of confession, well, it's kind of like maybe twofold. They'll pray for you back, but also the confession might in itself start up some healing. Yeah, and, and that's, that's really important. Again, both you know, settings, Christianity, psychology, any kind of form of healing. Honestly, that's the awareness piece because Mm -hmm. some people have not even processed what they think or what they believe about themselves, the situation, others, God. And so just saying that out loud, confession is very, very powerful. Revelation is a huge part of the healing process. It's just seeing it. Well, if I don't see it, if I don't even know what it's called or what to do with it or, or, or what it is, then how can I do it differently? How can I even recognize what to change? And, and one of the things too that we are all passionate about and that Redeem, it's a core value of ours is prayer. And you mentioned it m- multiple times in this. And I think from a variety of your, your experience of working in church ministry to the secular world and social work to, you know, private Christian counseling. One thing that I think you, you've seen over the course of your career that prayer really makes a difference. Can you talk about that? Like, can you maybe share some stories of how prayer has really impacted things? And what are your thoughts on the power of prayer, not only for us as we're going through things, but also as we're walking alongside people? Yeah. Uh, huge um, prayer is uh, okay. So if you look at, I, I had to struggle with this when I first got into the counseling field, um, even in school is where is Jesus and can people truly change apart from prayer, apart from the Lord um, and, and kind of where I settled with what I read and felt um, from even Christian therapists and um, writers is that behavior change is always possible. That's why you can see people go through AA and NA and all kinds of groups. And um, there's, there's ways that our bodies are designed by God, that habit makes a difference. Um, what we think about, what we practice, what we choose does get formed into our characters. So behavior change is possible. Um, I think it's more possible and more powerful with the Lord. The one thing that, that therapy can't do is it cannot 
transform a soul into a new creation. You cannot be translated from darkness into light. You cannot be dead and become alive spiritually. Um, and the work of God is obviously just, um, it's so transformative. Um, and so it, I would say there's some stories, like I, I was thinking about um, just now, um, just really speaking uh, to a person's identity is powerful in prayer. Um, there's been times when, you know, the, the enemy likes to bring lies or um, use our childhood experiences or just even living on planet earth. You're getting messages all the time about who you are and where you don't measure up and where you don't align, um, where you don't fit. And, and so that can just do a lot to our psyches and our sense of self-worth and our value. And God says we're beloved and that we're valuable and we're called and we're created for good works. Um, it's really difficult to see that in ourselves when we're contending with these messages and, and lies in our heads. So sometimes prayer is really just speaking truth and it is declaring and I always like to listen to the Lord when I pray with someone sometimes the Lord will just give us something it doesn't have to be long and drawn out um, and you don't have to be a theologian and have the right words or even go to therapy but just saying come Holy Spirit and and just um, speak to this person and I've had people um, sometimes I've just prompted them like well, I want I want you to just like in your heart or your mind whatever comes to mind just the Lord's working on you so let him just bring that label up you know maybe it's you know something like rejection or you're worthless or you're never going to fill in the blank um, and is that consistent with what God says about you? Mm -hmm. And so then we just will pray and we just put that on the cross. And I like to have people actually visualize this. And, and I want to put a disclaimer on this because visualization and imagination can be sometimes taken off, you know, to this, yeah. you know, new agey kind of place. And that's not at all. The Lord designed our faculties. He designed our, our, our imaginations and our hearts and our minds to intuit him and respond to him. So sometimes I just, out of symbol and, and just something powerful, just have people just picture that, like just picture Jesus taking that right now. However you, you see him doing that, like put it on the cross, put it on, you know? And so sometimes those are really, really powerful because it just draws a line in the sand that says, no, here's not what, here's, here's what God says about me. And I don't have to walk in this. Um, but God's always sending a healing word. So whether that mm -hmm. comes through me declaring that over them in prayer or um, the person declaring that over them in prayer um, or a scripture verse or um, just something that they become aware of. And it'll always align with the word and always align with the way of God mm -hmm. if it's from him um, and speak the truth. Um, there's been some powerful times too. I'll say just learning to listen to the Lord in, in my own prayer time. Um, I had a really, and sometimes it's the most simple truths that God uses. Um, but way back before when I was kind of beginning this journey, I did not know how much insecurity and this sense of worthlessness was bound up in me. And I was such a performer. I had to always achieve and perform and feel like, you know, that was my sense of worth. And um, so when I'm, when I'm seeing this pastor um, and walking through some of this healing stuff, um, I don't know what came up. There was some conflict or something, maybe self-criticism or something I was dealing with at the time. And, you know, um, I just, he just flat out asked me, he's like, Dana, uh, do you think that Jesus likes you? And I'm like, well, well, yeah, of course he does. You know, he's love. He's, you know, he's yeah. like, why, why does he like you? And 
And so then I gave him, he goes, you know, I started, well, he died on the cross for me. And he, you know, I, I quoted all the scriptures and everything. He's like, Dana, those are just the right answers. You know, he's like, but do you think Jesus actually just likes hanging out with you? Does he just mm -hmm. enjoy you? And I've tried so hard to be strong that all of a sudden I start getting choked up and I'm just mm -hmm. like, well, I don't know if he really likes me. You know, I just, it was just kind of like that took me to prayer. And so he, my assignment was like, you're going to go pray about this, you know? So in my own prayer time, I just took that to the Lord. I'm like, why is it so hard for me to think about you like this? And I just can remember like just journaling that out. Like, um, I just want to listen, Lord, what's the truth about who you say that I am and started writing it. And it was just like, the Lord was like, you're my beloved. And my love for you is, is unconditional. And I distinctly remember feeling like I was about to write, if you obey my commands, or if I wanted to put a condition on that so desperately. And I really felt the Lord stop me from doing that. And it was something super simple. You're just, you're just unconditionally loved Dana. And uh, it, but it came with revelation. It came at the time I needed to hear it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and me just taking it to God. So personally taking things to God in prayer was big. And so that, that was just so simple. And it revolutionized the way I viewed the Lord and his value over me and kind of broke for me a moment of just how conditional I had made God um, or had viewed God, um, mm -hmm. God's love for me in my life. That's good. I, when hearing you, like it's a, I can imagine everybody else. What is it that one thing for everybody else? Like you never know what it is, is the one thing that's going to, that's going to be a, basically a revelation for you, for that person and, and motivation or the inspiration to just like basically flip the switch and change. And that could be anything. And I can feel like it could be anything at any part of the process where you're, it's like a lingering struggle or it's something that you've like, you know, that you've just started up and you know is a weakness in your life or a difficulty in your life. And, and it, it might be something that you're not wanting to basically give up because you like it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Is there um, a hard truth for getting well? Obviously you have to have the desire. I mean, that's any support group, any, anything yeah. is like, you have to want it. And so yeah. that's, that's, that's the, the key. I mean, it's just, you know, sometimes even as parents, we want things more for our kids than they want to. And it's that classic, this does not take a psychology degree to, to say, but it's like when the cost of, of, uh, change is greater than the cost of, of staying the same or what is it you know the cost of staying the same is greater than the cost of change sometimes mm -hmm. that is a motivator um pain is a teacher um loss mm -hmm. sometimes we hope that nobody will get there i don't yeah. i don't buy yeah. into the rock bottom uh philosophy i don't think people have to hit rock bottom in some you know areas of change like uh it's been taught maybe um commonly um but i i do know the lord uh, does work through people and he works on the heart and on the motivations. And, um, I think that, you know, love looks like a lot of different things, you know, love can be tough and love can be supportive and encouraging. And, um, sometimes the best thing, like I said earlier is, um, is to let people have what they want and see how that works for them. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. They have to want it. Yeah. And the man at the well, you know, going back to Dave's sermon, I guess he, he did. He obeyed um, the voice of Jesus. He said, pick up your mat and walk. And he did. And so, um, yeah, I guess he wanted it. And Jesus was the, was the thing. Yeah. Um, I would add this to that as well. Um, 
sometimes that lack of knowledge, you know, my people perish for lack of knowledge. There's, uh, there's scriptures on uh, lack of vision. It's really important, I think, when you're thinking, and this, we don't have the time to go into the, the cultural aspects of this, mm-hmm. um, but there is some truth to the fact that we don't sometimes know what God has for us. Number one, we don't know that we can be healed. We don't know what healing requires. Um, there is a cost, you know, it's, the Bible calls it the healing pain of the cross or not the Bible, but um, you, you could infer from the Bible that sometimes the way, the way up is down and to yeah. gain life, you die to life. It's kind of subversive, but sometimes there's a lack of knowledge. We just don't know that God is that good, or we don't know that we can change. We don't know that there's something out there that's better than the way we're living right now. Right. And, you know, we know as people of faith that when you're starting out as a new Christian, or if you've been a Christian for a long time, you could say that there is maybe less knowledge for those beginning out within their walk with Christ, but God is no less gracious. He's no less loving and kind and merciful and helpful, despite your knowledge. Right. So yes, for maybe tagging to what tagging uh, along to what you said, like for those who don't want, um, this is not a podcast to say, go find a counselor. This, if you don't want to find a counselor, that's okay. I have personally found healing in my, just in my one-on-one relationship with Christ and my, you know, my husband and I, we were separated for a while. And, and then when we got back together, we went through a whole year of counseling and we got all the information and it does go down, it kind of does boil down to desire to wanting to go and try out and fix certain things in your marriage. And, but God kept telling me every single time I was going into a counseling session, uh, that I can listen to the Holy spirit and the spirit is going to guide me. And he's going to give me, um, kind of like, maybe the green light, red light, yellow light for when to do certain things and when not to do certain things, when to apply this insight and that the, the counselor was giving us. And at, at some point I, we stopped going, not because we didn't necessarily need it anymore. We needed to have a period of action where we took all of that information and applied it. And I knew I needed God's power, the Holy Spirit's power to help me in those steps. And there was not going to be a counselor that was going to help me, you know, make those moves. It was going to have to be the power of the Holy spirit, giving me love and patience and kindness to act, you know, to act in those ways that I knew was going to be helpful and then applying those and then kind of basically waiting for the change to come. And I think with relationally, the other person needs to sort of see certain behaviors for a while, like, she's being kind to me or she's respecting me or, you know, vice versa. And then, and then in a way the relationship changes over time because you're both people are putting in action steps. I'm that's like some tips for marriage. I could just say like, I didn't necessarily need a counselor to tell me that I I really felt most of the work come through the power of the Holy spirit guiding me. Mm -hmm. That's so good. That's really, really key. And I have found the same parallels even in the world of psychology. You know, I'm always looking for those parallels to see what what's supported biblically here. And what you're describing is that there's some work, you know, I look at like on the two spectrums, maybe you would take like psychodynamic therapy and um, psychoanalytic and psycho when you're looking at how early relationships have formed patterns and um, 
character change or, or formed character in your in your life and just understanding and becoming aware of how that happened and recognizing um when that happened or um you know, it just, mm -hmm. it, it allows you then to release it or forgive a person or um, see it playing out in your life. And that in itself can be healing. It's, it's more just the awareness and connecting the dots. And then there's still action involved. Uh, but I think about the Lord on that end of the spectrum, as sometimes there's a work that only the Holy Spirit can do. Mm -hmm. He has to bring awareness of that. He has to bring that to light and it takes listening. So there's an action there, but it really is a supernatural exchange. It's the Lord going in and doing a healing work um, through forgiveness. Like I didn't know that I needed to forgive, you know, so-and-so or my father or my mother for um what what they put me through or what decisions they made that maybe I, I I'm finding here um and so there's that portion of it like there's just that supernatural peace and that just being connected with God and letting him gently bring things up and the action there is more it's more the receiving the healing receiving or extending forgiveness or releasing um the person. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, um, you find like cognitive behavioral therapy. You find how you recognize what you're thinking, um, how you're behaving and how you're feeling. And you start to do things behaviorally different. You put action and you, you say, uh, no, this thought is not true about me. And I think of um, Philippians 2 verse 12 through 13. And it's just that for, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good, ple good pleasure. We're called to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work. It's God's working something in us, but we are working it out through our actions. So I love that. Everything you just said right there is you can, you can capture that biblically. You can capture that in psychology. Um, there's some, there's That's some good. real supernatural parts to that. And there's some real you know, human effort involved in that as well. Awesome. Well, good. Thank you for the advice, Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make that up. <laughs> well, Dana, we're so blessed to have you as part of the Redeem community. And as part of this podcast, one of the things we do at the end is that Liz shares a word. She goes into her prayer closet and <laughs> asks for a word. And so we end each episode with a word from Liz. So Liz, what word do you have for Dana and for the Redeem community this week? Sure. This is definitely not my soapbox. Honest to God, I just want to share something that, that God that God puts um, on my heart. And after Dave's sermon, which was a difficult one for me because I did ask myself, is there an area in my life that I want to get well? And I, I thought of one and it wasn't hard to think of. God has been sort of like flagging this one in my, you know, in my mind and my spirit for a while. And I did partly I did was ask, you know, speaking back to God, like, uh, Lord, I really don't want to get well. I don't know how big of a problem this is. And I feel like he was saying back, you know, maybe it's not a problem so much, but it might be blocking you from growing. In, in your spirit, in your mind, in your heart, maybe there's a next level. Okay. So then I go into my prayer closet and I'm asking God to lead me uh, to where he wants me to read. And I, this is not like magic, right? It's just, I felt like he was saying, read judges. And I read, I've read judges before, but you know, when you read the word and how it can become alive is when you read the word with a certain lens on. And I was reading it with the perspective of, okay, 
I of basic basically of what Dave just talked about in his sermon. Okay, so I'm looking for answers and and and, and to summarize in Judges oh, chapters one through five, God is raising up a man. He raises up Judah. He is talking to Judah. He's telling that him what he needs to go and do, and he is saying to Judah, "I am going to be with you." And but he has to go, and he has to. <laughs> He has to work. He has to work it out. He has to go fight battles. He has to save his people. Da, 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 da. And so he has to obey the Lord's voice. Okay. And so there's a pattern that evolves that um, emerges. And after Judah obeys, then there's rest and peace, not just for himself, but for the people. Right. And so then, then I don't know if this is coincidentally or what, um, but they die. Right. And then after that, the people no longer experience peace. So it's almost like this man or these people were a shelter to the people for all things. And so then they, they start sinning and rebelling and then they're crying out to the Lord, help us, help us, help us. And then God sends another person up. And this person is being uh, told that God is with them and he's giving them a task and they have to go and do this and that. And they do it and they be, they reach victory. And at the very end, God says there's rest. And it's in it's for different periods of time, 40 years, 110 years, 18 years, 80 years, 40 years. So these, this is a, a period of a, lo- a long period of time. But the pattern that I saw emerge, and then finally he raises up Gideon, is that when you obey what the Lord is saying, and you act knowing that God is with you, he is going to lead you to victory. And there's also peace at the end, not just for yourself, but potentially for your family. And I can see this in my own family, that uh, God has asked me to do something. I obeyed him. Uh, it was extremely difficult, trial after trial after trial. He's led me through different, you know, small battles, right? Let victoriously through each one. And then I experienced peace in that area with my family and my children are benefiting from that. And there could be others who have who've benefited from that, that I don't know about. But I guess the point is like the word is here, gosh, I don't want, it always does kind of go back to this for me, like obey the Lord, <laughs> obey the Lord, uh, do what he says. Um, but maybe, you know, just like the really sweet spot of this is that he is with you no matter what through the ups and downs, and you're going to be victorious. And there is promise at the end, there is peace. And so for me, the thing that I, I, I would like to become well in the area of, of difficulty, the struggle, God has already given me what to do. And I, I, long story short, if I obey him, I'm going to experience peace at the, at the end, I'm going to be victorious over this. There is hope for everyone in every situation with every difficulty. Mm, that's so good. <laughs> that's good. Great word. And, you know, thank you to Dana for joining us. This is such an important topic. I don't think this will be the only time that we talk about this on the podcast. And we know there are so many people that are listening that are either going through something, uh, need healing in some area of their life, or maybe are currently walking alongside somebody who needs healing in their life. And so, we just thank you for your wisdom and for all that you provide yeah. to the redeemed community. Oh goodness. Yeah. No, thank you for letting me come and, and chat. This has been really good and, and it's always better with people and, and hearing other people's wisdom on this and there's no straight, you know, answer because we're complex human beings, but it's, it was fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Dana. We love you. That's it for this week's redeem midweek podcast. Uh, we love you and we miss you. 
and we'll be back next week with another interview. See you later.